Hello, all over the place listeners, Eric Provoznik, ready to give you more fun sanity minutes here on the show. Very excited tonight. We're going to be bringing in a brand new guest, Jacob Smith from Society Reviews. Usual cast of characters join us as well. Co-host Jim, Jimmy C coming down and Marty. You know, I got, got the fingers crossed, Marty, everything's all, all good in his camp and he'll be joining us. And, uh, the number one lady behind the scenes, our producer, Christine, also going to be in the house. And there's a little rumor on the street that she might be joining us live. You're going to hear her more, just like you did the last show. Uh, Christine, uh, looking forward to her uh, chiming in more and more as we progress here on All Over the Place. Exercises in E Pluribus Unum. And also, you know, uh, some things we're going to be talking about tonight with Jacob, you know, uh, just... Uh, recent round table he had going on over at his uh, society reviews talking about daisy ridley is uh getting a little uh star wars testy anti-star wars testy jim hello hello hey hey how's it going reviews you guys are in the house and jacob welcome to all over the place how are you tonight i think he just dropped off and then he came back on so Hmm. Folks, it's all over the place. So, you know, technical difficulties are, are kind of our uh, stock in trade. So we'll, uh, I see, I see he is with us. Uh, hopefully, you know, uh, we'll be able, he'll be able to reconnect soon. So, uh, so I guess I tease a little bit some more. Uh, so we're going to talk about the Star Wars and uh, just the, the continuing saga of how woke can you go? Not how low can you go? How woke can you go? Uh, same and, thing. Yeah, exactly. So, but we, but we <laughs> do I stutter? Uh, also, I, uh, speaking of uh, uh, Star Wars and, the, and the Disney, I was able to watch this afternoon Walt's Disenchanted Kingdom. Nice hour long documentary. And uh, definitely want to get into that with Jacob and uh, you as well, Jim. I, I know that uh, we, we have talked. It seems like we, we talk, no matter how much we talk about this subject of get woke, go broke, it doesn't go away. And it's infuriating as a movie fan, and especially uh, I, uh, I was able to see Missing yesterday. And a very, I thought, creative film and very entertaining. So, you know, why can't more things be, like that be done? And uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's Hollywood. What are you going to do? So, yep. Uh, and uh, Jacob is back. J- Jacob, are you with us now? Uh, yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. I, I had. You know, all right. Well, Jacob, welcome to the show from Society Reviews. Thanks for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Yeah, it's getting. It's kind of a you no. Know, just trying to get used to using it on my phone, than rather on my laptop. I've having some laptop issues there, so I think that was causing a little bit of confusion. But I'm doing pretty well now. How about you guys? I'm doing phenomenal. Thank you. And uh, Jimmy C, Jim Culver in the house. I know you and he have uh, had some conversations in the past. So glad we're able, finally able to get you on the show. So yep. Yeah, uh, and you know, I, I want to springboard off of uh, uh, your uh, the recent roundtable you had going on over there, Society Reviews about Daisy Ridley and the Star Wars. Uh, franchise oh yes all right jacob i i don't i don't know where i'm coming up with the money but i'm going to give you an unlimited budget to rescue only one franchise from the clutches of the dastardly house of woke otherwise formerly known as disney star wars or indiana jones which one do you rescue 
and why? And also, why not the other one? I would say there's probably more money in rescuing Star Wars than it is Indiana Jones at this point, because at this point, look, Indiana Jones pretty much is Harrison Ford. I mean, that's the guy who's synonymous with that character. And unless you're going to do a complete reboot, which can literally go one way or another, I think there's just more money in rescuing Star Wars. I mean, look, they're doing another Indiana Jones movie. Harrison Ford is like 80 years old at this point. <laughs> and it's like, I have to wonder, it's like, is he even going to like live to like see like the next movie? I think even Marvel has some starring as like Red Hulk in like a movie it's supposed to come out in a couple of years like you realize Harrison Ford is going to be 82 years old by the time that movie comes out you're trying to put him in the role of an action movie like what are we doing here well Indiana Jones did drink from the the uh the uh the, he, he he drank from the uh oh I hate when I do this I hate my brain when it goes away but from from the uh Let's just say the, the Fountain the of Youth. Fountain of Youth, yes, the Fountain of Youth. I'm like, the Goblet. He drank from the Fountain of Youth, so I don't think we have to worry about Indiana Jones and just, you know, all the de-aging they're doing these days anyway. You know, it's... Uh, he oh, yeah, they're, they're, they're going to need, like, $250 million to de-age Harrison Ford, so, yeah. Need the entire Avatar budget of CGI. Yeah, or, or even double, who knows? Okay, well, then, going to rescue the Star Wars franchise, then I'm going to ask you this. Since you've got the unlimited budget and doing the rescue... Will you get rid of all of the Star Wars TV shows on Disney Plus and just focus on the films? Uh, I mean, here's the thing. Like, obviously, Disney has bungled Star Wars so badly over the last few years. Like, they've they gotten to a point now where they haven't had a major movie out in, what, three or four years now? And we all know that they didn't spend $4 billion just to have all of their stuff be exclusive to Disney Plus. That was never the plan. Now, I don't, I'm not totally against the idea of Disney Plus shows because to me, it should be uh, shows for your minor to our lower tier characters to kind of get a little bit of, I guess, story progression in on the major stories, which is the movies. The problem is they have no direction with their major movies right now. And that's the reason why they're all on Disney Plus. I mean, I'm pretty sure you guys remember a little film called The Last Jedi. Which, uh, which arguably could uh, was the movie that killed the entire Disney Star Wars uh, wave. But remember that whole point in that movie when they decided that they were going to go to Space Monaco towards like the second part of that film, and they spent the entire time like looking for a guy that was going to help them hack their way onto the ship, only to never find the guy and have that whole plot point be completely irrelevant by the third act. That's kind of what Disney Star Wars feels like right now. They have no idea what they're doing, and nothing's really relevant to the main plot. You should have given a heads up on Last Jedi there. My eyes, my eyes. I do my best to forget that one. Oh, yeah. I love reminding people what a terrible movie The Last Jedi was. Remember when uh, Leia Mary Poppins her way back from space into the ship? And then somehow that was just meant to make sense because, hey, the Force, right? Remember the Force? It, it, it was an alcohol and do its coma by then, but I do vaguely remember it. Hey, remember, remember, remember when uh, what was it? Holdo had went and like rammed the ship into the other ship using like light speed. Oh my god, this is this is amazing. I have done my best, and I've I've succeeded until right now. You you resuscitating my my brain. I didn't even remember that stuff. I have done my best to forget Last Jedi and and most parts of the the Daisy Ridley. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm great at triggering PTSD. That's kind of my thing. So. <laughs> Well, that, that and all, of course that begs the question: Why doesn't why doesn't everyone use the Holdo maneuver after that to win every battle? Just have one person on a ship, just go to light speed and wipe out the enemy, and you could just you could just one shot every battle from then on out. Well, I think the, the answer to your question there, Jim, is that before the Last Jedi came out, I think everyone else was in understanding that that was stupid 
and no one would ever think to do that in the first place and until Disney came along and now it's a thing it's canon no I mean after that like it like during uh you know everything I mean there's only one movie after that but why didn't they just do the holding maneuver every time you know I know you, you need a you need a strong independent woman to do it to do it right but uh just just seems like it, it's that's kind of it would be kind of the go-to move at that point well i mean i don't know what message that sends to like a younger generation of star wars fans that you know if all else fails just you know just uh, jihad yourself to victory i'm not sure if that's something <laughs> that they want to <laughs> start, start start doing i don't like i don't think they like the, the road that that leads to <laughs> that's a fair point <laughs> as, as it just dawns on me as i i recently uh celebrated my 53rd birthday if they keep making these star wars movies long enough the original and I, and I joke a lot with with kids. I, I you know, I'm, I'm OJ. I'm original Jedi seventy seven. We'll be gone, and it won't matter to you know what canon is anymore. It'll be all changed. And those of us who have enjoyed them from the beginning, it's a moot point. Well, not only that, but I'm thinking since I'm much younger than you, I'm turning thirty five this year. But uh, you know what? Uh, James Gunn recently came out, and it's like, hey, here's my slate of DC projects that I'm going to be working on for the next five years. And maybe ten, fifteen years ago, I would have been excited listening to, oh, here's what Phase uh, Three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Here's all the movies that you're going to watch here in the next few years. But now I'm listening to it now, and it's like, okay, you're telling me that by the time I'm forty years old, I get to enjoy uh, Avengers Six the Kang dynasty and I'm supposed to be excited by that it's like that, that whole excitement period of all of these projects is just completely gone for me especially when you tackle on the Marvel projects the Star Wars projects the DC projects the Sony projects it's just it just gets exhausting after a while overkill oversaturation yeah I've got a I've got a 12 year old in the house and I've been trying really hard to keep him away from as much woke stuff as I can as he's growing up in this crazy culture and yeah i'm just i'm just wondering if there's going to be anything good for him to watch from these franchises between now and when he finishes high school i mean we're at the point now where honestly if, if something's being made by a major like uh studio like especially disney maybe like a comcast somewhere in there you better off just not trusting anything that they produce right now especially this year where they're seemingly everyone's making a push at uh no uh, let's play portraying questionable content towards children, which seems to be the objective now. I would kind of keep them away for that. In all honesty, you're better off uh, just letting them watch like older stuff, stuff that was made back like in the 80s and the 90s that didn't have as much, you know, such to say, degeneracy uh, pushed towards children these days. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah he loves, you know, he loves um, Avatar The Last Airbender uh naruto all this kind of stuff that just that's just good stories and it, like he hasn't really yeah. turned on to any of the any of the new stuff because it's just doesn't doesn't speak to him at all we're not like we're not like you know dragging him away from the theater to make sure he can't watch it he just it just doesn't interest him yeah and that, a lot that, of people kids his age that can say the same thing yeah, that's been Hollywood's problem for quite some time. People are just giving up on on movies uh, altogether now. And it's partly their fault because they decided like 10, 15 years ago that, hey, we don't need the American uh, cinema audience anymore. We have China and we'll just uh, placate all of our movies to them until the China uh, well went dry. And now it's like, oh, I guess we have to figure out some kind of way to make money now. Well, and China seems to be turning the spigot back on a little bit. They they let Black Adam and I think Wakanda Forever finally release, but they're uh, they're basically put, just laying it laying out demands now about certain things that that uh, they allow. So they yeah. they've clearly you know they've clearly got Hollywood conditioned at this point to say, well, we can turn off the we can turn off the tap anytime we want, and you lose half your your uh, your revenue. So you so you better bend over for us big time. 
Yeah, it isn't that isn't that amazing to think about that now we're in a time where American film studios are listing the foreign governments and kowtowing to their demands. But when it comes to American audiences and what they want, if you don't accept what they're giving you, they'll just call you a bigot and then uh, expect you to make money that way. And it's it's kind of funny how that's whole shifted in just what fifteen years. Yeah, well, not not only foreign government, but I mean one that's that's basically on par with you know, what, what Russia was 30 years ago in terms of their politics and what they're doing. But what's, yeah. what's even funnier about it is a lot of their demands basically are, are about as anti-woke as it gets. So on, on that level, as far as like rejecting identity politics, like, like we almost have more in common with the, the Chicoms than we do with our own uh, filmmakers these days. Yeah, and, and that's a good point, too, is that it's fake woke, because you have to remember uh, a few years ago, Disney, when uh, China was investing like billions into uh, Hollywood film studios, they had started to cut their uh, funding to about 500 million. So Hollywood kind of panicked at that, that China wasn't giving them the money to produce their content. So uh, you know who they went to thinking that, hey, we're going to go to these guys to replace the Chinese money that we're not getting anymore. They went to Saudi Arabia. And Hollywood actually did court uh, Saudi Arabian, the prince and all of the uh, government over there to essentially replace the funding that they were getting from China up until a little incident happened a few years ago where, you know, a journalist who we won't name here on this podcast, but let's just say they made him disappear and the entire world was like, oh, I can't believe they did that. It was like, yeah, I guess you're not going to get that deal with Saudi Arabia anymore, are you? Who would have guessed that they were they were not the uh, the warm and fuzzy types that we thought they were going to be? Shocking, right? Especially with their history. <laughs> they they host a hell of a World Cup, though, don't they? Oh yeah, you know people just end up missing there too. It's a great. Well, I'm, I'm glad you guys brought up the, the China thing because they, uh, and uh, Jacob, have you had a chance to watch Walt's uh, Disenchanted Kingdom yet? I, I've I've been sent the screener. I have not had a chance to watch it. I will watch it this weekend. Yeah, it's, uh, I checked it out on YouTube this afternoon, and the la- last uh, part of the documentary talked about the the connection, what you guys are talking about with, with China and and everything, and just this, this fake woke. And on one hand, you know, you'll have even ESPN commentators coming on and talking about you know transgender. We need to stand you know in, in light of this. You know. Uh, what was going on in Florida with them, uh, you know, with uh, DeSantis yeah, speaking yeah. and everything. And they bring that up and, oh, they're all gung-ho for that. But then when you've got a, a country who routinely imprisons Muslims, millions of them, routinely yeah. doesn't care, and, and going to Saudi Arabia as well, uh, the gay population or the transgender population, and it's, how can you take seriously anything that comes out of the mouths of, of, the, the, of Hollywood? And and their 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 fake like you said fake woke agenda. Well, I think the short answer to that would be is that at the end of the day, communists stick together. So once you kind of see uh. it in that lens, it kind of all makes sense. But I guess the longer term version is that you have to remember that, you know, people in Hollywood, especially in positions of power, they're very good at deceiving you into thinking that they're totally for one agenda while doing something else, either right in plain sight or behind the scenes. So you can never really take them at their word because they've proven time and time again they can't really be trusted. Intellectual dishonesty from the left? No. No, never. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get all of my news from people like Keith Olbermann, so I don't expect guys (laughs) like that to ever lie to me. Out of whatever whatever YMCA basement he's broadcasting out of these days. Yeah. 
Hey, Why careful. That, that, that's YMCA stands for, that's a Christian organization still. Maybe just being name only, but I can't see Keith Olbermann not burning up. Yeah, well, we all know that when ESPN gets desperate for ratings again, they'll make him do baseball games like they did a few years ago. <laughs> when you, when absolutely desperate, Keith Olbermann's your man. Yeah, he's <laughs> like breaking case of emergency. Yeah, that's the Keith Olbermann. <laughs> And I'm gonna I'm gonna rescue myself now. I did not look this up. And the, enjoy your 30s and 40s, gentlemen, because these these mind lapses happen. And the, the Holy Grail. Indy drank from the Holy Grail, the Fountain of Youth. Oh, there we go. I remember these things in in spurts. It just it, well, welcome to your 50s. So, well, apparently he should have drunk more because I don't think it helped him. No, it's I. Well, it, with, it didn't take I, exactly. I, I, on the flip side, I would actually, again, it's I, although there is certainly more money to be made in the Star Wars end of things, I would like to see the Indiana Jones franchise kind of done. I think if you do it right with the right actor, you could rescue that, especially coming after Crystal Skull. And God knows what they're doing on this one besides resuscitating, mm -hmm. you know, and, and looking to do what they did with Star Wars with Force Awakens, just recycle plots. Uh, well, I think you know, it's funny. Chris, I actually. I was just gonna say real quick that I actually did have a little bit of insight into that with uh because I've been working with Bounty in the comics and essentially the word was is that they were going to give the role or the mantle of Indiana Jones to his quote unquote daughter who is uh Phoebe Waller who's the woman who was behind uh the Fleabag series mm -hmm. if you guys uh, recall that so apparently they wanted her to be the new Indiana Jones and apparently this film tested so terribly and so horribly that they're currently in the midst of major reshoots to fix the entire movie especially the ending because even the test audiences hated it so if the test audiences hated it that much you can only imagine just how bad that movie was in reality well if only he was not persona non gratis in hollywood the film although he still makes money for them chris pratt i think would be an amazing indiana jones Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. But obviously, Chris Pratt doesn't have the right opinions to uh, be awarded that role right now. We're seeing a lot of guys with the wrong opinions kind of getting uh, thrown out the door of Hollywood these days. I mean, we see what's happening with Henry Cavill right now. They're seemingly pushing him out of the door in mm -hmm. D.C. As apparently, Zachary, uh, Zachary Levi is now the next person uh, gone. They're not going to renew his contract, so he'll be out after Shazam comes out. So, yeah, there's a lot of guys who, you know, if you don't have the, the right opinions and don't follow the the right playbook of Hollywood, you'll quickly be uh, let out the door. But we're still finding ways to make excuses for people like Ezra Miller because, you know, their pronouns are they, them. It's kind of weird how that happens, right? Hey, cop a plea deal, you'll, you'll, you'll keep getting your contracts. Yeah, well, you know, Ezra, Ezra Miller has uh, actually done some of the things that uh, James Gunn's only joked about on Twitter. So uh, birds of a feather <laughs> yeah. flock together, I guess. Yeah, I know. If, if anyone's going to go out bad for Ezra Miller, it's definitely someone in the likes of James Gunn, who, you know, is also friends with people who have been convicted of, you know, let's just say serious sex crimes that may or may not have uh, involved minors. And I think we were supposed to get all this stuff cleaned out by me, too, but uh, all the uh, a lot of the gunk remains, clearly. Oh, yeah. And then that's another thing that I love is that Hollywood with a little movie called um, She Said that came out uh, earlier this year, sadly didn't get nominated for Oscar, shockingly, but they were actually trying to reward themselves for creating a movie exposing the guy who they had been protecting for, what, 30 years? And I actually wanted them to do it just on an ego uh, trip. I wanted you guys to actually reward yourself with awards for a movie exposing a guy that you actively um, protected for, for 30 years. Yeah, that's the thing is that, that I feel like that story, you could make an amazing movie about that. You could have 
you know, reporters uncovering this kind of culture of, you know, silence and corruption and, you know, uh, all the, all these, all these sex offenders that were, that were, that were fake feminists on social media. And then, yeah. and, you know, and then got found out. I mean, the first thing Harvey Weinstein did when he got found out was he went on and he made this public statement saying, I'm going to, I'm going to concentrate on going to war against the NRA, you know, because he knew exactly what to, what to do to get, to try to get back on people's good side. And I feel like if, if you, you know, if you had like a story that told, t- told about all of these different aspects of it, it would be really interesting. But of course they, they, they have to rewrite history because that's what they do. Well, that, that's even the kind of ironic part about the whole situation, because the only reason why Harvey Weinstein fell, it was because they were actually looking into um, information and dirt on Donald Trump, who was running for president in 2016. And in the course of looking for dirt on Trump, they kind of stumbled into the Harvey Weinstein story that they initially backed off of, but it kind of got to a point where the story became too big for them to hide. So it was like, okay, I guess we're finally going to, you know, throw this guy under the bus after many, many years, but he wasn't even there original target throughout that whole situation so whoopsie daisy mm-hmm. well and all these and all these names dropped uh, you know and i'm not getting trying to get you know say, say everything's political but i mean all these names dropped about people that got got busted for all these uh, all these me too things and it's like you know whose names never never got listed or or never on epstein's island list you you know uh, yeah. chris pratt was never on there uh gina carano was never on there James Woods, uh, Kevin Sorbo, any of these, any of these conservative actors, they were not involved in any of this stuff. They, they kept their hands clean and they're, I mean, they're still blacklisted for different reasons, but, but it is interesting that none of them ended up on these, uh, getting up enmeshed in any of these scandals. Well, when they don't have any dirt on you, they're, you're pretty much useless to their system, right? I mean, they can only, uh, they only uh, useful to them if they can control you. If you don't have any dirt they can dig up and hold it over your head, then it's like, why would they have you in the club? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting point. It's very, very mafia-like, frighteningly so. But uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's right on. Well, with uh, get back, back to Chris Pratt and uh, the recent news that Terminal List got a season two. Awesome. Uh, and nice. Re- Re- Reacher, I believe, is still moving forward. It hasn't been canceled yet. Uh, although, I, I'm a, a quick diversion, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bummed that uh, Reboot, the show on Hulu, did not get a second season. I like that because it was politically incorrect. And it walked a nice, like we've talked about on the show, it's, it's walked a fine line between the wokeism of new new Hollywood poking fun at that and actually something that actually poked fun at the woke and and poked fun at the old way of making shows and, and the sexism and misogyny and just all those accusations in that. Uh, so reboot didn't get, uh, a, get, get picked up, but Reacher, I think still is in the pop. So, I mean, are, are we getting to the point where, you know, like the golden age of television is still happening with all, all the great shows happening on the smaller screen. Can it, I mean, terminal lists and, can is this the way to survive if you're conservative well it's very interesting because we're in this weird age especially with television where you know all the shows that hollywood likes to prop up as you know all these are the best shows on television they're not really as beloved as people will make you think but then you have shows like the terminal list you have shows like jack reacher and another show is a good example is a show called uh yellowstone i'm not sure if you guys know of yellowstone mm-hmm. but that one's what pretty much like one of the top rated shows on cable right now for paramount plus absolutely killing it over there taylor sheridan is doing a 
a great job uh, writing that show and putting everything together. But you notice it hasn't really gotten a lot of award recognition over the last few years, even though it's one of the, the highest rated shows on the network because the people in charge of the awards have a problem with who the target audience and who the, the core audience of these shows happen to be. And they happen to be people who are not, you know, your typical left wing uh, people on Twitter who will yell at you for not wearing a mask at a grocery store. Right. When they notice that, you know, a certain demographic likes a television show like uh, Reacher, like uh, the Terminalist, like Yellowstone, they tend to shun those type of shows because they want to essentially award shows that go against their grain but are getting rewarded from it because people are actually responding to it positively. Well, I don't think they'd be ready for someone to go up and give an acceptance speech and not politicize it. Exactly, right? They, they, they want someone to go out there and talk about how we're killing the world thanks to climate change, or let's talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter, or let's talk about whatever LGBTQ uh, issue of the week there is. They want those type of things, which are, I don't know why they like that, because Hollywood's uh, award shows have gotten like record low ratings year after year after year, because that's all the award shows have become now. It's become multi-millionaire celebrities lecturing you about why you're not doing enough to make the world a better place. And nobody wants to sit there and watch that for three and a half hours. It, 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 uh, I had a much different opinion of Brad Pitt after, you know, I was so excited that he, he got Best Supporting Actor for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then he gets up there and just turns it into a, uh, a Trump bash. Like, oh, well, even, even uh, Brad Pitt. Right. Sucks so, so, so down the Kool-Aid. And we all know that somebody told him to do that. I mean, the, I'm not sure if that was like his first Academy Award or not, but it's like, yeah, you do put in all of that work on into a role, into like campaigning, getting every all your ducks into a role, and you decide that when the time that it finally comes, you do finally get that recognition from all the hard work. Because like, yeah, I'm gonna spend my entire time. I'm talking about Trump because that's relevant to you know the work that I put in for this role that has absolutely nothing to do with Trump whatsoever. Uh, very quickly, just a quick back step to Tulsa King, another great show from Taylor Sheridan that's going oh, yes. on right now. The so, Stallone show is very, very good. Yeah. You mentioned award shows. Uh, I, you probably read this this crazy story that because there were no uh, no black nominees for the Oscars, there's all this outrage, and the Academy is, has has uh, announced they're 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 going to be having an investigation into it into into what into what happened. And, well, and how how this could how this could possibly happen? It's funny that you mentioned that because I do have an article up that just went up for bounding in the comics regarding this very issue. So uh, I believe okay. her name was uh, Andrea uh, Rosenberg. I can't remember the, the exact last name off the top of my head. I think it's like Rosenberg or Risenberg. But uh, she got nominated for a movie that not a lot of people had saw, where she was playing like an alcoholic, uh, dealing with kind of like her own personal issues. But from everywhere I've heard who's seen the movie, she did a pretty good job in the film. But the problem was after the fact, people were upset that certain people didn't get nominated for the awards because they said not enough black women were nominated in, in the best actress category. So there was actually a push to investigate her nomination and possibly get her nomination pulled under the guise that they were going to give it to a black woman as a result. Well, uh, the, uh, the Academy just responded by saying that after their investigation, she's going to keep her nomination. They're not going to rescind her nomination, but they will be looking into, I guess, a social media campaign that her agent was a part of to help her get the nomination but she's still going to uh, get her nomination uh, one way or another. But it's very funny how 
we've been doing this. We've been dealing with this for so many years now. The whole Oscar's so white. People are complaining that, you know, not enough Asians are getting awards. Not enough black people are getting awards. Not enough gay people are getting awards. It's not diverse enough. And yet every year they try to make it more and more diverse. Yet every year people complain more and more. So, I mean, it's Hollywood. It's not going to change. They're only going to double down on that. But yeah, it's very interesting how that whole thing uh, played out uh, this week. Yeah, the name I keep kept seeing bandied about as as someone who should have been nominated was uh, Viola Davis in The Woman King, and which I think is just ridiculous. Because I mean, what Viola Davis? She's an, an amazing actress. She's fantastic. Yeah, uh, and I, you know, I, could, I could, I mean, I could list five performances of hers that are that are Oscar worthy. But, but I mean, The Woman King was just a, a really embarrassing movie, and her and she was so unconvincing as as a warrior. I mean, just give me a break. I mean, this is the you know this is the same woman that's. Uh, that's playing on uh, Amanda Waller, <clears throat> and, yeah. and now she's. And now we're trying to. We're supposed to believe that she's like uh, Braveheart or something, the African Braveheart. I mean, give me a break. So J- Jason you know, Whitlock had a great name for her in that movie. He called her the Meemaw King because she's like fifty-seven <laughs> years old, <laughs> and she's trying to do like, like I said, Braveheart action scenes to the point where she's nearly having heart attacks. Because yeah, you're a fifty-seven-year-old woman uh, trying to be an action hero. What did you think was going to happen? Yeah, exactly. It just, yeah, just, and, and, you know, to even consider that that should be on the table for an Oscar compared to all the other performances for, for the, the past year, just, just because we need to have this, uh, you know, have this slot filled. And that's the thing is, you know, awards are supposed to be about merit. I mean, I'm, I'm a hundred percent in favor of, of anybody getting nominated who, who did the best performance of the year or the, one of the top five, but like this wasn't even close to the top five. Like I said, this wasn't even her, one of her five best performances. So, you know, I, it's just at some point, I, I know the Oscars keep getting, you know, keep getting cowed by the, you know, the Oscars so white thing. And then, and then they, they pushed all these uh, diversity requirements for the, for the films to get nominated. Uh, but, you know, at some point they have to decide if they're going to be awarding on merit or on something else, or if they're just handing out participation awards, basically. I mean, you nailed it right there, the, Jim, participation oh, right. trophies. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that would be the logical step, right? I mean, you figure that if they really want to nip this in the bud, they would just simply say, hey, look, we're going to nominate who we're going to nominate. If person and insert uh, victim class here doesn't get nominated, you know what? Oh, well, just move on. It's our award show. It's not your award show. If you guys want to nominate your own guys, you can go to the People's Choice Awards and get your awards there. But this is the academy. This is how we're going to do things. And we're not going to keep changing our rules every single year because you guys don't like the nomination class. Like, sorry, but not sorry. But we all know that they're never going to do that because they're, these are all people within the exact same bubble. So they're just going to continue to double down and plead and beg for forgiveness every step of the way until the, the academy awards are nothing more than just an afterthought entirely. To live per chance to dream. Or that, Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and uh, one thing that was brought up in Walt's Disenchanted Kingdom was uh, Disney specific, obviously, but yeah. a group of people in charge there who are so hell bent and and so proud of diversity and inclusion do nothing but divide and set us apart. Because I one thing that was brought up in the movie, and I think back on it, and, and people, and I'm going to use my age to my advantage now, but back in the day, back in the 70s, we had the wonderful world of Disney. And that was every yep. Sunday night where you were outside playing, you know, and then, but seven o'clock came, the whole family gathered around to watch that stuff. 
And, you know, look, obviously, you know, TV has diversified and, and just exploded, you know, 457 channels, but nothing on. But there, there's no cohesion. There, there's nothing that, that ties us to, there's very little things that tie us together now. And, I, and the irony that people who want to include and diversify just do nothing but divide. But that, that's, that's the MO of the left, unfortunately. And all under that, that guise, again, of fake woke. And I mean, what can we do? I mean, on, on we're making inroads on the right, but what ideas that uh, you have, Jacob and, and Jim, like to, to get people either back in theaters or just back, you know, unified, even well, a little well, bit. Well, well, I've always said about Hollywood, and this is the tough thing. Like a lot of people think that the toughest thing about Hollywood is producing movies, like actually making movies. That's really the easy part. Like anyone can make a movie. You don't really need much money to make movies. Like we've seen movies, like a good example, just throwing that out there. There's a movie called Terrifier 2, which is a pretty good horror movie. It's a film that was made on a budget of $250,000 and it looks really, really good for that budget. So making movies in and of itself isn't really the hard part. It's the distribution that you have to worry about. And the problem is, is that over the last few years, these mega, you know, uh, studios and corporations have kind of condensed the control that Hollywood has over uh, films and, and production. So Disney has a big part of like the market share right now, which is a problem. Comcast has an even bigger market share than Disney, which is even scarier when you think about the things that Comcast owns. So if you're trying to like make a movie that the Hollywood machine doesn't like, it's hard to get get distributed but let's say you want to put a movie out in movie theaters and hollywood really really hates it well a company like disney could turn around and go hey if you show this movie at this movie theater then you're never going to get another star wars or marvel cinematic universe film uh we're just going to pull all of our uh, projects away from your theater it's going to be very hard for a theater that's only barely hanging on as it is to say well i mean look it's disney these movies make a lot of money we need these movies in theaters so i guess you're not going to be able to be able to show your uh stuff here that's kind of where the problem lies and we need to figure out a way to win the distribution battle so that not only can we make movies but they can be seen so that we can really start challenging the hollywood system because right now these handful of corporations warner brothers disney comcast sony they all have way too much control and that's kind of the uphill battle right now well yeah and my and my take would be answer that question is the best thing we can do you know aside from like Jacob said, just just making our own stuff is is voting with our wallets and and making our voices heard wherever possible yeah. about what's being put out. Because uh, you know a lot of these studios like to pretend they don't hear what we're saying, but or they don't notice what sells and what doesn't. But they really do, and you can see it. For example, a lot of the the MCU and DCEU movies that have been made have kind of lurched back and forth in tone. And, and in, in the characters highlighted and all these different things. And, and a lot of that was because something didn't sell the way it was supposed to. And so they had to make changes to try to appease people and things like that. So they, they do pay attention to this stuff. And you can see, I'm not, I'm not going to say that wokeness is on the, on the downslide, but I will say that a lot of the major studios that are, not, that are not Disney or Netflix, a lot of the other studios are putting out a lot more mainstream type stuff going forward. And I think they have really gotten the hint that this stuff is not selling and it's at some point they have to abandon the woke stuff or and just go back to telling stories or they're just going to go broke so you know if you look at the slate of movies coming out outside of the mcu and outside of netflix there's a lot of really mainstream non-woke stuff uh and i think that a lot of the studios are waking up to to the fact that they they need to start really selling again 
So yeah. I think the best thing we can do is really vote with our wallets. It, it doesn't have, you know, as much of an impact as it should, but it definitely does have an impact. And I think sooner or later, even Disney is going to have to wake up or just or just go broke, literally go broke. Well, just real quick, I'd add on that. Uh, Disney lost a lot of money last year. Like they, the, the yep. Disney really got hurt in 2022 on multiple fronts. One is that when they went to war with Ron DeSantis about, you know, the Florida parental bill, which they call the not say gay bill. And they said that, no, we're, we're going to double down on LGBTQ uh, programming, especially in children's shows and children's movies. They got a lot of pushback from people. As a result, Lightyear, which was a big uh, major movie for them, their Pixar brand, bombed horribly lost a lot of money they had another movie strange world which lost a lot of money like their animation got absolutely killed last year and that's kind of their bread and butter so if they're losing on that ground they're hurting bad and then even then it trickled down to this stuff like the mcu the mcu is not you know a guaranteed billion dollar you know draw the way that it was three or four years ago they released three movies and all three of them failed to make a billion dollars and they spent a lot of money to produce those so they didn't get a lot of money back so for people saying that you know vote your wallet i think uh they are starting to hurt i think people are just getting sick and tired of having to be lectured to and talked down to by these people who are trying to push things that you clearly don't agree with so voting for your wallet is also a strong uh tool you can use to really take it to a lot of these corporations that are just pumping billions of dollars into this other garbage absolutely absolutely and uh now for uh, uh, for our listeners, I probably should have started off with this, but uh, you know, as we're wrapping up, I, I, we're going to get a little Tarantino, go back and forward with beginnings and endings. Now, Jacob, uh, with Society Reviews, what inspired you to get to throw your hat into the ring and, and uh, make your voice known in, in the, uh, the film and entertainment world, coming well, from a different perspective? Essentially, how I got started was is about 2016. Uh, I I was at the point where I was already watching pretty much like two new movies like a week because you no, know, I had the early days of Movie Pass, so I would go out and watch a lot of movies. They didn't cost me much, and it got to a point where I was watching so many films. I was like, well, I might as well start doing reviews. I might as well start making something out of this. So I started Society Reviews back in 2016, and at the time, I was just doing straight up pure movie reviews. Like that was my whole format. I just do a couple of movie uh, reviews a week and let it be that. As time started to progress, however, especially when Donald Trump got elected president, I started noticing that a lot of these films started to get more and more political as time went on, which got to the point where at first I didn't really want to get into the polit political uh, side of the entertainment industry, but it got to a point where it was like, okay, if you're just going to shove it in everyone's face to the point where I can't avoid it, I can't not talk about it. So I started, you know, talking, getting more, to, uh, I guess the best way to say, getting more in depth about what the these films were actually about and what they were trying to portray and the messaging of these movies and the stories of these movies and it just kind of snowballed into like working with you know other people in the community who were doing like the same thing john trenton bounding in the comics i've known for a good few years he was covering a lot of this stuff as well so i started linking up with uh people who were kind of following the same path and now like i said i'm doing uh, a lot more content with society reviews i've done a lot more content
contact with Bounding. I started work with uh, Zinger as well. So it's kind of just like blossomed into, you know, this thing where now I'm covering, you know, the entertainment side of it and really kind of trying to inform people about the stuff that they're watching. Because a lot of the people, like a lot of your normie, like adults, and they don't really see like a lot of things that are going on with like television shows and movies. They just kind of consume because they don't really expect there to be this larger agenda at play here when they go to watch a movie or watch a television show. But if you don't let them know that, hey, maybe there's something more sinister being played here behind the scenes and you just consume, I think that's kind of what led us to this point uh, to begin with. That a lot of people were kind of asleep at the wheel, not realizing what was going on until it was too late. So for me to kind of like help uh, show people exactly what's going on, especially in the world of entertainment, I mean, that's kind of what drives me right now. Well, I'm definitely glad that Jim uh, got me on your your radar and uh, definitely enjoying uh, what I'm seeing so far over there. But I, I really like that uh, the Daisy Ridley roundtable. That was that was really kick ass. I like that. And for yeah. our listeners here all over the place, you can you can find Jacob and Society Reviews all over the uh, the different platforms. You get the, the main site is a Society Reviews dot com. You can also find them at Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, Rumble, Odyssey, and YouTube. So be sure to check out Jacob. Over there, society reviews and Jim. Thank you for for getting uh, getting them on my radar. Definitely appreciate it. Hey, thanks for coming on, Jake. It was great talking to you. Hey, anytime you guys want me back, I'm down to come back. Sounds like a plan. I uh, bring it back when, once the maybe a little post award show so we can laugh <laughs> laugh at what they've came up with. <laughs> oh yeah, that that whole night is going to be a complete ass show if you know what I mean. So that should be mm-hmm. very very fun. Oh, actually, I look forward to maybe a, a live cast from you guys in a roundtable in that regard. I, I, I We've talked about it, and I know a lot of us are dreading doing that because we know we're going to have to commit to like three and a half hours <laughs> just to watch that. But I think it may happen one way or another. So it should be an interesting night. Well, do, do sentry posts. So like, you know, one guy go on for a couple of minutes, and the other, other people can fall asleep and not have to worry about being uh, bored, bored to tears or, or grinding their teeth. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll figure something out, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be unpleasant for everyone involved. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I don't know if you uh, follow Steve Green, the vodka pundit, but he has a tendency to uh, do what's called drunk blogging, where he where he uh, progressively drinks vodka as he as he live blogs things or or, or live streams. It. So you might want to consider uh, taking a page out of his book for 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 that particular event. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's weird to do like a kind of a drinking stream for that because I feel like, you know, at first you start getting a little buzz and then as the night progresses, you just get more and more angry rather than drunk. And then you're, by that point, you're pretty much sobered up like three hours in. So I'm not sure if that'll be the, the effective method, but we'll definitely try it. <laughs> All right. Well, looking forward to whatever you guys come up with. And so folks, check them out over there, society-reviews.com. And uh, Jacob, thanks again for coming on. Look forward to having you on down the line soon. No problem, man. Anytime. All right, Jim, and uh, we'll be back next week with a new one. Jacob Smith from Society Reviews, Eric Provazic, and Jim signing off this week on All Over the Place. Take care, everybody.